Hello, and welcome to Heal, Love, and Grow with Hasina. Thank you for joining me today on this episode as I talk about my nine engagements and even more proposals, as highly recommended by my audience. I felt it only fitting that the month where many are celebrating love and relationships, that I speak of the plethora of engagements I've had and why I'm known to many as the runaway bride. But first... I thought it would be fun to rate the proposals from the worst to the best. So if you're looking to pop the big question, maybe these ratings and stories will help you in what not to do. And if you find yourself single during the month that tops even Christmas for a mushy romance, then listen in for ways to embrace this month without wanting to shoot down Cupid with your own arrow. Being engaged is what so many of us girls dreamt about growing up. It started with Barbie and Ken's ultimate love romance, to Smurfette's love interest in Hefty Smurf, each time portraying an unrealistic fantasy of what love should be. Let's not get into the princesses and all of the Prince Charmings. The last time I fell asleep in a park, the only thing that came close to kissing me were the mosquito bites I had all around my face. And... It didn't matter how many dishes I've cleaned and people I've served. Never have I been given a gown and sent to a ball where a prince chased me down a set of stairs. Though, I have been chased down the streets of Bangalore on a trip to India. Not really the same thing. And no, he was not one of the nine engagements. Speaking of engagements, let me tell you how far off some of my fairy tales were from what I had grown up believing. Let's start with some of the worst. Number nine was in 1998, engagement number two. I was in university. We met at work and he was the pretty boy that all the girls gawked at. So when he asked me to move in to take care of his family while he went to work on a cruise ship with his father, I happily obliged. But being of Southeast Asian descent, I didn't want to bring shame to my family. So we decided to get engaged as a matter of principle and without any ceremony. He tried to convince me that we should save for the big engagement upon his return. I knew something was off when our joint account depleted, and as I got wind that he had hooked up with another chick while sailing the seas, I jumped ship and left before he could return. Cheating is wrong. Don't expect someone to stay when you've broken their trust. Number eight was in 2001, It was engagement number three. Now, in his defense, it wasn't his fault that the proposal was a flop. As we settled into our hotel for a weekend in Niagara Falls, I received a phone call that my grandfather had passed. He was so great and packed up to head back to home, but he told me how he had planned a proposal and gave me the ring before we headed back into Toronto. Timing, my friends, is everything always have a backup plan. Number seven was in 2011. It was engagement number six. I was in London and met a guy through mutual friends. Within two weeks, he had asked my family for my hand in marriage. Now I know what you're thinking. That's crazy. However, in the Southeast Asian culture, I was not marriage material. After all, I was a single mother that had a child at a wedlock and had just had heart surgery. So any proposal from within the community 
was greeted with Indian sweets and an offer to give our entire flock of sheep. Okay, not really, but you get the idea. I knew this was highly suspicious when he flew to Toronto for the engagement, but needed money for his mother in Africa that had no phone and no internet, and yet was in communication with him about needing money for a surgery. So the day of our engagement dinner, I thought it was only fair to give him a gift. I packed his bags and dropped him to the airport, never to see him again. Though he did try reaching out to me years later. Thank goodness for blocking features on social media. Catfishing? It's a real thing. Number six was in 2005. Engagement number four. Now, if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, this was the one where I broke barriers. The proposal was like a TV movie gone bad. I got knocked up. We tried to do the right thing and got engaged. He even asked my parents for my hand in marriage. But I didn't meet the long string of criteria to fit into his family. And so rather than us going against his parents or his alternative proposal, I had a plan of my own. I chose the happily with my child ever after, the best decision ever. Number five was in 2009. It was engagement number five. I'd been dating a childhood friend who lived in Thailand. It was New Year's Eve of 2009, and we were on a Skype call when after the countdown, he popped the question. Two months later, he was in Toronto, a rock on my finger and ready to officially announce our engagement with a celebration by both families. When he stated how women should be subservient and submissive and never have a voice or a career, I had my rollerblades on and rolled right out of that relationship. Number four was in 2011 as well, and was engagement number seven. Now, from how the previous engagement went earlier that year with the catfishing, I thought this one was a dream guy. We had been together a whole two months before he invited me to India to meet his mother over Christmas and New Year's. Now, I had been engaged before, but never till that relationship had I ever gone away to another country with a guy yet alone another continent. So my parents frowned upon this and I called off the trip as no respectable Asian girl would fly to another continent with a man she was only dating for two months. So as I broke the news while strolling through the flea market in Pickering, Ontario, he started crying. He grabbed a crate, had me stand on it and went on his knees to propose. Yes, I was proposed to at a flea market. I'm not sure when he bought the ring, whether it was while I walked away while he started sobbing in the produce aisle of the market, or if he already had the ring prior to the visit. Either way, I was annoyed, and after I reluctantly said yes, I had him ask me again when we got home, where he got on his knees by the Christmas tree. A story that was much better suited to tell our children. At least I thought. Well, other than a nightmare from hell trip to India where his mother tried to have him married off to another woman in front of me, the relationship was already doomed. I didn't quite let go at that point 
or even after a drunken night where he puked all over my outfit at a party, or after he told me I needed to lose weight for the wedding when I was already under 100 pounds soaking wet. It was only after he followed me to Florida on Valentine's Day weekend and at a club when some guys were trying to get my attention, he responded with, Why would they be interested in you? There are much hotter women out here. That's when I drove back to the hotel, watched his face filled with tears as I watched him disappear in my rearview mirror. But it didn't end there. The next morning, he showed up to the airport on his knees crying. It was the third time I had thrown the ring at him, but this time, airport security had a hold of him. And as I walked with my head held high through the gates of the terminal, I said goodbye for the very last time. Love yourself enough to know your worth. Number three was in 2013 and was engagement number eight. We weren't even dating. That's right. It was my birthday and my ex, who I had remained friends with, hosted my birthday dinner with my father, daughter, and my closest friends. He booked it at my favorite restaurant, downtown Calgary, and even contacted the owner and his family to attend. Now, we had broken up months prior, but in his mind, there was still hope. We had fought over this several times, and that night, I felt the pressure of everyone adoring him and his efforts that when he asked to speak with me privately, I refused. After all, I didn't want to ruin the dinner with another one of his talks, especially with everyone around, but he persisted and I finally gave in, not wanting to make a scene. We walked towards the patio, but instead of opening the glass door leading outside, a staff member opened a side door. There were stairs leading up to what looked like a banquet hall. The stairs had candles on the edges, lit to show the dozens of rose petals that had paved the way. I followed the petals, my ex behind me. At the top of the stairs was a violinist playing a melody, and in the corner, by the window facing the patio, was a candle, a dozen long stem roses, and that's when he went on his knees and proposed. I was blown away, but reality was we weren't dating, so I said no at which he reminded me of how embarrassing and humiliating it would be for me to walk down the stairs when everyone knew his plan and for me to say no. So I agreed. I tried everything to get out of it without pissing him off too much, but eventually I hid until the dust settled. And eventually, for that reason, and among others, I moved back to Toronto. Now, the proposal was great. But if you're proposing to someone, make sure you're actually dating first. And seriously, if you're thinking conning or pushing someone into marriage is going to work, well, I have news for you. It never does. Number two was in 1996. It was engagement number one. This was very close to what I had pictured as my fairy tale engagement. It was my birthday and my boyfriend at the time had set up a beautiful evening by the CN Tower where he had splurged on a hotel suite with roses leading to the bedroom and a boys to men birthday cake that I refused to cut 
as I felt it would be a bad omen that it would split the group. I swear my cake had nothing to do with one of the singers leaving. The day had already been one for the books, though. We toured the CN Tower, took a stroll down the harbor front after blowing out my candles to my cake, and then I noticed he wasn't beside me anymore. As I turned around, he was on the ground, on one knee, singing Cubby Cubby, a Hindi song famously known as the song a woman sings for her husband, written by her lover to her. Maybe he was on to something? Nevertheless, the engagement ended when I decided not to move back to Toronto after high school as my family moved to Regina, Saskatchewan. Call me crazy, but getting married right after high school didn't seem like the wisest decision, especially when I wasn't even legal age in many countries. I mean, was I to drink apple juice or ginger ale at my wedding reception? And finally, for number one, that was my last engagement. We got together and the roller coaster of events that led to the relationship even forming is going to be in my book. But for now, here's the Coles Notes version. We were dating for five months, had lived together for three of those months. Now, I've never had a boyfriend live with me, but everything about this relationship was different. I'd become so accustomed to proposals that I even called the month he would propose, to which he responded, he would never marry again. Sure enough, five months in, as I predicted, it happened. Now, how was a story? He had arranged for my mother to watch my daughter for the weekend. The Friday night, we're checking out possible wedding venues, and while we were enjoying an evening of entertainment, the hostess became ill. My ex, being a first responder, took her to the hospital as I, with my bartending license and waitressing skills, took over the restaurant. When he returned, the couple that was singing decided to dedicate a song to us, Cubby Cubby, again. Yes, same song as the first engagement, this time sung in tune though. Shortly after that night ended, we got a call from my mother that she had car issues, so we rushed to help her and my daughter get home safely. After a few hours of barely any sleep, we attended his hockey charity game bright and early that very next morning. I had insisted we skip the Leafs game I had bought him tickets for as a birthday gift, but he was adamant and I was a sucker for him. Besides, he bought me a jersey with my last name on the back and 11 characters on an extra small jersey was impressive enough that I couldn't let his efforts go to waste, even if I did look like the hunchback of Notre Dame. So there we were at the game, and to keep from falling asleep, I decided to get up and dance with the girl in front of me who kept pressing for someone in her family to dance with her, doing moves like the floss and laughing at how silly I must have seemed but my boyfriend had gazed up at me and smiled. Okay, okay, enough about the starry eyes. So it's halftime and I'm thirsty when Carlton Bear, the team mascot, comes up by us. Now, I know we're going to be on camera, so I get excited and dance again when I notice everyone around us ooing and aahing. Carlton Bear is holding a sign. 
not one that says clap or make some noise, but in big, bold, colorful letters, Will you marry me, Hasina? I stared at the sign, trying to make sense of it all. And then I looked at my boyfriend, who had been on one knee, ring in a box, waiting for me to answer. I realized I hadn't said a word because everyone around started shouting, Say yes! He had asked if I could give him an answer so he could get up. That was the best proposal for many reasons. I was of age. I was already dating the guy and living with him. And yes, I wanted at the time to be married to him. So that's good, right? Well, it was until I got a Facebook request three weeks before our wedding day from a girl who had my fiance wrapped around her arms. Her status was in a relationship with, you got it, my fiance. He came over that evening to pick up wedding invites to send to his family and friends. As the RSVPs came in late that evening, I replied with a screenshot of their picture and asked his friends and co-workers to let him know the wedding was called off. Don't you know social media doesn't keep secrets? So there you have it, the nine engagements. And the best part is, though you may be thinking, damn, that is a lot of getting down on one knee and a ton of rings. Let me set the record straight. Some didn't get down on one knee. I returned majority of the rings, but some I felt were so brutal that I deserved a vacation with all the stress they caused. And yes, there have been more proposals. Even though I had said no, I did get proposed to by my first love, over the phone. At that point, I had a bar set and he wasn't even close to making the mark. The second no was to my dad's pharmacist at the time. We never even went on a date. He promised he would give me the moon and the stars and spend no less than an exuberant, indecent amount on a ring and offered me the life of my dreams if I said yes. How did he know my dreams? Was he psychic? He was a bit crazy to think I would say yes. So he approached my dad, whose classic response was, if you get her down the aisle, I'll give you my blessings. Even my father was losing hope, or maybe confident I was not marrying this schmuck. There was one guy who was flirting with me at a restaurant in Calgary where I was with my girlfriends having a meal. He stopped me at the top of the stairs and in a drunken moment asked everyone to stop chatting as he proposed to me. It was clearly a joke and I said no, but I often wonder if I did what the song said Looking for something dumb to do, I think I want to marry you? What if I did say yes? Things that make you go, hmm. Then, the last of the proposals was in 2017 by one of my best friends at a religious event where he even gave me his favorite ring. It was so random. I said, no, we will see. But I couldn't risk losing the many decades of friendship we had. But all jokes aside, many questions were asked of me by my listeners of this podcast. So here are my attempts to answer just a few. Why so many engagements? Primarily society and cultural pressure. Being a Southeast Asian female with a child out of wedlock from outside the community and not formally educated, I felt I needed to do something to make my family think I wasn't a complete failure.
but I can't blame them. I blame myself for wanting so desperately to be loved by someone else that I justified bad behavior, overlooked red flags, and made decisions solely to please others, or to not feel lonely anymore. It didn't help hearing aunties and my own blood talk about me at weddings or co-workers make jokes about me being a runaway bride. Two, do you regret any of the relationships? No. At first, yes. I would have saved a lot of money, more than I would have if I had pawned off the rings. But thinking of the lessons they taught me and how they made me learn to love myself was greater than any regret as I grew as a person. Are you single and will you ever get married? Yes, I am single. And if it's meant for me to be married, it shall happen, but in its own time. However, until then, I'm not waiting around for that last ring to be placed on my finger because I'm putting one to represent my own love, the first love we should all have before we give our love to another. Before I end, I promise my single listeners tips to prevent you from shooting down Cupid's arrow. Get two cards. One for someone whom you may think is alone, as well as one for yourself. Write a note expressing why this person is important to you. Then in your card, write about how much you love yourself and all the reasons why you are unique and special. Then send them. You can even make the cards. Then run a bubble bath, spoil yourself, have a glass of bubbly, and let Michael Bublé or Kenny G serenade you. Have a chocolate, a candy, or any treat that brings you sinful pleasures. And who knows, you might find yourself having sweet dreams. Until next time.